0: Get up close and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on One on One with Poppy Chulo. Created by Poppy Chulo, One on One showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers. Here's your host, Poppy Chulo.
1: Welcome to One on One with Poppy Chulo. Today is Thursday, May 28th. 2015 listeners please welcome fan favorite gay porn veteran alessandro del toro welcome to the show alessandro
2: hi thank you thank you thank you you for having me on
1: thank you for coming on i'm really excited to chat (laughs) with you about this fantastic career that you've had in the business
2: yes me as well awesome i've been looking forward to it
1: sounds good likewise so let's dive into the interview and typically i like to get stats out the way in the beginning of these one-on-one interviews just because i mean for the most part the people that are tuning in your fans and supporters they haven't had the chance to see you in person the only sort of representation that they've seen of you are in the various scenes and uh, films that you've been in and for the most part they're watching these on their tv their computer their mobile devices so let's get to know some of your physical stats what's your height and
2: weight? Height is 5'6", and I'm about 165 pounds.
1: What's your ethnic background?
2: I'm Mexican.
1: Orale. Orale, wait. There you go. <laughs> What's your zodiac sign? I'm a Scorpio. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Every time I talk about being a Scorpio, like, there's such a strong reaction to it's either good or bad, but it's always a strong reaction. I, I never just get like, oh,
1: okay. <laughs> it just means you're naughty. And um, oh, yeah. and how old are you? I'm 28. Awesome. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning. Let's get to know the man behind the performer.
2: Where are you originally from? I'm from a small town called Eagle Pass, Texas. And, um... I grew up there. I was born. Um, I was born in, in in Texas, but I kind of went back and forth. Uh, it's a border town, and I lived in the same house until I was eighteen until I moved to LA.
1: Okay, cool. So let's delve into your childhood. What was Alessandro del Toro like as a child, as a teenager?
2: Um. Well, as a. T- I was I was a bit of a handful um I was you know like really active kind of hyperactive a little violent kind of crazy um but I got identified gifted when I was about five years old so I, I I've kind of always had this dual thing going on so at school I had I, I got a lot of, um, kind of permission to be bad quite a bit, because I was in the gifted program, and, um, I just got a lot of opportunities that some of the other kids didn't get, um, but at the same time, like, I was by far the worst kid in gifted class that probably at school has probably ever seen. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) And then as a teenager, I was kind of um, a little bit more shy, like as, as I grew more and more into my sexuality and I started to fully understand a little bit more about who I was, I became a little inhibited, I, I kind of um, became more um, isolated, much more to myself, I definitely always wanted to play more with the girls and there was like a a stigma around playing with girls and stuff like that so um it just it it kind of put me in a weird spot during my preteen years and then by the time I was 16 I just decided that I just I needed to come out and I came out and it was it, it worked it worked for my advantage and and I think it sort of started to help me grow into the man that I am today, really.
1: When did you first realize your attraction to men?
2: I definitely remember around five or six, like just being kind of confused. I, I didn't know anybody else that was gay. I didn't know what being gay was, but I definitely felt like an attraction to other boys to, other, to to men, to adult men, um, and I kind of, there was different stages to it, like I was confused for a while, I was ashamed, I was, I mean, there was so many things going on with me internally at that young age, that was probably why I was so crazy. <laughs>
1: Do you think part of that is because of your Latino background, your Latino
2: heritage? Um, for sure. I mean, we never really talked about it at home, but, like, I I think there was probably a lot of homophobia going on, especially, like, from my dad. My dad was kind of violent. He was, um, he was just, like, a, a, a machista Latino male. He wanted me to act a certain way. He wanted me to behave in a certain way. He wanted me to, be, to have a certain standard of masculinity that I just didn't have. And I think that's what kind of fed into my frustration, like kind of like I was acting out at home, I was acting out at school, because um, I I was just trying to be myself and it, growing up in a, in a Latino community especially like that it it was a small town small town Texas um, conservative Republican Latino Mexican I mean I just kind of got all the wrong cards dealt to me in terms of being a free and open mind like that just wasn't an option and um, and it was definitely a challenge
1: so let's go into what your adulthood. Uh, let's talk about you know what was going on in your life as you became an adult you know in your late teens, early 20s.
2: So well, I think right around the time that I was maybe like sixteen or seventeen when I came out and it, and I had a successful experience at school but at home it was it was really difficult and I started to plan. Of, like how can I get away? Where can I go? What can I do? Um, and going far away was was the only option at the time. Um, so I applied to American University in Cairo, American University in Paris, I, um, I applied to schools in San Francisco, I applied to um, USC in in Los Angeles, I, I just, I applied to zero schools in Texas, because I was like, this is not for me. And I got accepted to several schools, and I eventually chose USC, because um, I, at the time, I, it, it was this pool sort of, to be an actor, like, um... not not necessarily a porn actor although that has attracted me probably since i was 13 or 14 but um there was a pull to be an actor and it was also a very huge pull to to move to somewhere where i could develop my sexual identity and so um la seems like a really good place for that i i also considered san francisco and i think san francisco would have been a good option but LA just seemed a little bit more my style, and I'm I'm glad I, I picked LA. What were you studying? I my undergraduate degree is in international relations and Italian. Um, and so I, I moved to LA to go to, to to go to school to go to USC, and I sort of started on this journey to just discover myself sexually um and i came into contact with the director um and he offered me a role in 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 a small movie it wasn't like a big time director but it was my very first exposure to porn. And I liked it, I liked every aspect of it, like just being able to develop my gay identity and like kind of putting it on, like on on, a, on like such a grand scale, like that, that that seemed really appealing to me at the time. Um, And so it was, it was kind of like the start to this journey that I've been on for almost 10 years now.
1: So how did that connection get made? Like, how do you, as a student, you know, someone that's uh, studying, you know, getting a degree and whatnot, how do you make that transition from uh, doing that and, and, you know, the world of of basically, you know, education and, you know, learning and, uh, you know, striving Mm -hmm. for that degree, how do you go from that into the adult industry? Like, what... How did the door open for you, is what I'm trying to say, to make it into the business?
2: Um, I was working as a, as a research assistant for this psychological study. And basically my job was to go out to the gay bars and get guys that were out drinking to take a survey with me. And so I would come into contact with so many different types of people. Um, and one of the types of people that I ran into was, was a director. And he just, he offered it and I, and I just took it. Um, and it was, like I said, like it was my very first introduction to it. And, um, I remember I was so nervous, like shaking, shaking, like a wet dog and at, at my very first um my very first set like the very first time i had i was doing a movie and it it really kind of opened that door to something else and like i said like i remember i remember when i was a kid like when i was like 13 14 years old and i was like secretly watching gay porn i would look at the guys on the screen and there was like specific guys um like Colton Ford, Billy Harrington, like there's certain guys that was just like, oh my God, these guys are like Yeah, I mean, I would idolize those guys and I and I wanted to grow up and, and sort of be not necessarily just a, a porn star, but be that that image of of sexuality and and that image of um fantasy and connection to a gay world, you know, like growing up and, and not having that, not having any sort of connection to any other gay guy. Um, I, I kind of I, I grew up wishing for that and, and not just that, I, 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 there was a, a certain pull for me to be a part of, of that world, a part of that fantasy world that would connect other people that were like you know in Kansas, Idaho, wherever they were, in, in whatever small town they were with nobody else around, to 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 the world of, of just being gay in in a world where being gay is celebrated and and is is acceptable.
1: So let's talk about that first time on set. I know that you kind of briefly referenced it a question or two ago, but let's focus on it. What was that experience like for you? What was going on in your mind? What was going on in your head? Were you excited, nervous, scared, a mixture of all of the above the first time that you were on set doing a hardcore scene?
2: It it was definitely a a complex experience for me. I, I was scared. I was scared of of, 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 you know, how those images were going to be used, what my life was going to be after that. Like, I mean, you kind of just, when you take that step, you you kind of can't cope back, you know. Um, so there's this fear of, you know, what are people going to say? Are my parents going to find out? There's a part of me that's excited for my parents to find out, like I just to like fucking stick it to them. Um, you know what I mean? Like it was just it was so many different layers of, of feelings and, and, and mixed emotions and wanting to, you know, have a great experience, but being afraid of what it's gonna do to me. Um, like you mentioned before, like the the world of, of academia or, or your education, especially like being like in a place like USC, like right, that's so far removed from porn. You know what I mean? Like I mean, it just—it seems like two different worlds. Like right? they, like it just doesn't go together. Um, but I found a, 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 a way to to make it work for me. I mean, it, it did take quite a long time for me to to be able to merge my two careers together, but. I, I figured it out now. I'm like, I, I it, it just makes sense to me. When I look at myself, I look at myself like a whole person. Both parts are equally important to me. And I, I think that's probably one of the biggest fears that I had early on. That I was going to have to hide this part of myself. That I was going to have to, um, you know, just not not be able to express that part of me that had done porn. That I was going to lose jobs or not be accepted by my peers or you know, things to that effect.
1: That's interesting. You bring up a lot of interesting points uh, that uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners in just thinking about what would go through someone's mind the first time that they're doing something like that, you know, they may not necessarily realize that I mean, it's a big decision. I mean, a lot of uh, there are a lot of factors uh, taken into uh, effect. You know, once you uh, start doing
2: adult work, mm-hmm. there are um, there's one side where you're you're idolized and and you're you're seen as this great sex symbol or image or. or, or idea of a fantasy and on the other hand it's it's you're, you're demonized you're shamed you're seen as subhuman like it, it's, it's really a dual reality for somebody that's, that's in the industry because you can be a very influential almost role model type and at the same time you can be seen as like the lowest scum, and often you can be both, both opposing images for the same person. So it's not like one group of people views you in one way and one group of people views you in the other. Like the very same person can have that split image of you, and um, it, it, from my perspective, like it takes a really strong person to be able to tolerate um, both of those extremes.
1: You make a lot of great points, man. I'm loving uh, loving your answers, Alessandro. Yeah,
2: thank you.
1: You're welcome. A question that I always find interesting is uh, how a performer comes up with their porn name. I always think, you know, when you pick a name, it's got to be something unique, something catchy, something that uh, the fans and the supporters and the potential fans can associate with you. So how did you come up with your poor name?
2: Um, I actually there was um there was a, a, a soap opera I used to watch when I was a kid and I remember the guy's name was Marco Alessandro and his um his name just always resonated with me, like it was just always Something about that character that I found very sexy and I found a name to be very sexy. Um, and then with the last name, um, I wanted a name that that was kind of like that had like a two word name. I wanted it to be representative of um, my Latin identity. I wanted it to be just sexy and just just really embody. What I wanted to embody as, uh, as as my character, as my my porn persona, and um, I, I feel like the name Del Toro, like that, that really just kind of speaks to like the the, the the strong nature of the of the porn persona that I portray.
1: I think so too, man. I think you did a really great job and what's fantastic about it is that it's so unique. You know, I don't think I don't think there are any other Alessandros, I don't think there are any other Del Toro, so uh, you capitalized on a, a perfect name, man.
2: Yeah. I've i actually I mean I've heard from, from several of my friends in the industry that they, they really like name, and I'm like I that is one thing about myself that I'm like i really am probably one of the only things I'm fully satisfied with.
1: <laughs> Definitely, man. So just to repeat and reiterate for the listeners, how long exactly have you been in the gay adult industry?
2: I've been in the industry now about nine years.
1: Okay. So almost a decade. Almost a decade. Very cool. When do you celebrate the 10 year anniversary?
2: Um, You know what? I do not know an exact date on my porn anniversary. I I, I think that if I sit down and think about it, I could probably come up with an exact porn date. I should probably have like a 10-year anniversary party or something. Not exactly.
1: It. It's a chance <laughs> for people to celebrate, damn it.
2: Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I know more or less the, the, the time period. I know it was like um, around like the spring um, when I was 19, but like, I don't remember the, the exact date. I, I, will, I will get back to you on that. I, I, I'll, I'll do that on the follow-up interview.
1: Okay. Sounds like a plan. What do you enjoy most about starring in porn scenes?
2: I think it really um, it it just gives me a chance to explore my sexuality on a different level. Like to be somebody else, to play out a fantasy, to um, get into a different character, to sort of push my limits actually. Um, It just, it's, it's all about stepping into a fantasy. And I think that for someone as imaginative as me, like, that, that's essential in having great sex. So, um, whenever I'm on set, like, it, it really just opens that door for me to be able to be um, sexual on a, on a different level.
1: Let's talk about uh, the good and the bad about being on set. When you're mm-hmm. on set what turns you on the most and what turns you off the most?
2: Um, I guess one of the things that turns me on the most is um, just being, being able to connect with my partner, being able to just fully just put on a show no interruptions kind of just get into it get loud get sweaty just do it just actually just fully get into the performance so the direct opposite of that is um working with directors or working with people that are just not able to do that not not being able to have that fluidity in a scene that's a, a huge turn off for me um Definitely, whatever you see on camera is not always easy to pull off. Um, so there are times when, you know, I'm like in certain positions where I'm cramping up and like I'm having to suck in my stomach, puff out my chest, stick out my pelvis and fucking do a cartwheel at the same time. <laughs> like it's just sometimes the, the, the physical demands of being able to put on a good scene are just too much. And and, and sometimes you'll find that, um, as a, as a performer, like, you know, you have to fuck for, like, five, six minutes, and then you have to stop because your, your leg is so cranked up because of the position that they have you in, um, kind of just looking at the clock, trying to figure out, like, how, how much, how much more footage they need, how, how soon can you be done with this, that sort of thing, but, um, it just, it, it, it really, I think, is is an interference into putting on a good scene.
1: I want to break a porn scene down with you. In a scene, which do you enjoy the most, giving or receiving
2: oral? You know what? It's, it's interesting that you ask that. Um... In my personal life, I do not really enjoy giving oral. I mean, I, I like eating ass, but I I definitely do not like to suck dick at all. And there's something about sucking dick on camera and like just really getting into it that, that really kind of turns me on. It's just not something that I do in my personal life. And for some reason, for the camera, I can get very sort of picky and kind of like just really get down into it um so definitely i think giving oral is 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 probably my favorite of the two when it comes to shooting mm-hmm.
1: i think you answered my next question but i'll ask it anyway in a scene which do you enjoy the most uh, rimming giving or receiving
2: Definitely giving, yeah. That's, that's the on and off camera definitely really, I, I prefer to give.
1: In a scene, what's your favorite sexual position? And does it differ from your favorite position off camera outside of the set?
2: Um, I think, honestly, to, to with with every porn set and, and every different type of partner, there's there's just a difference in, in how you can execute the scene in, in, in the best logistical way possible. And so, for example, doggy is always a go-to, and that's my favorite position, um, off-camera. Um, but there are a few, like, are a few other positions that are just easy depending on the set but I'd say generally doggy is my favorite favorite position
1: and of course we know how a scene ends in a scene where is your favorite place to shoot your load and where's your favorite place to take a load
2: um definitely shoot my load on a guy's face and or chest and to take a load, I, I, I hate it. I hate having come on me. Um, I I'll pull a fucking matrix move to to be uh, oh to my. avoid um, come on me. Um, but if I have to, I, honestly, if I have to, it, it just it doesn't even matter. I, I hate calm.
1: So Alessandro likes to make a mess but he does not like to be in the mess.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: Overall, throughout this near decade that you've been in the business, who have been some of your most favorite performers to work with?
2: Um, I had a scene with Dolan Wolf that was really, really hot. I've had a scene with Dirk um, Kaber, that I really enjoyed, Mike DeMarco, um, Angelo Marconi. Um, I've actually been pretty lucky throughout the years to have um, some just good, solid scene partners.
1: Who haven't you worked with yet that you would like to work with in the future? Are there any performers out there that's on your uh, quote-unquote must-do list?
2: Um, I think that I would love to do a scene with Adam Killian. Like, that's, that's never happened. I don't know why that's not happened before, but, um, um, uh, who else? Um, Adam Killian, Trenton Ducati. There's a couple up there that I, I feel like I, I haven't. Gotten around to yet. But I think those Adam Killing would probably be at the top of my list. Do you watch
1: your own scenes or films? Is that something that um, you do or is it something that you try to avoid doing?
2: I I browse through the pictures. um, And every once in a while I will get curious and and look at a scene, but only like in parts. I tend to get kind of hypercritical with my movement or the way that my body looks in certain angles, and it's, it's just an, an emotional roller coaster, so I'd rather avoid it.
1: How old were you when you saw a porn film for the very first time? I was 13. And the rest was history.
2: <laughs> and I just fell in love with it.
1: What has been one of the funniest things that has ever happened to you on set?
2: Um, on set, there was a, a hothouse hot house scene that I was filming, and it was a it was a fisting scene. Um, and right in the middle of the scene, there is um throughout the whole thing throughout the whole day we've been making this special kind of like goopy kind of fisting lube um you have to mix powder and water and all sorts of crap and so i've been fisting this guy and the lube keeps falling between my legs and um so while i'm fisting him they've asked me to to get up in such positions and I so I stepped right on the lube and fell like ass, like on like on my ass, like while they're still filming. Oh no! <laughs> um, and I just felt like I mean, thank God I have a big ass because I just like felt myself bounce off the floor. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I definitely have to. It was like the funniest, flash, most embarrassing moment on set.
1: Good grief man well you just answered my next question I was actually gonna ask you okay. about embarrassing moments
2: yeah I'd say I'd say that I mean that that's definitely a, a, a dual one I believe it
1: <laughs> what has been the craziest thing that you've done in a scene what has been something to where after you did the scene, you were like, wow, I can't believe I just did that.
2: Mm. Hmm. The craziest. I mean, I don't know if I'm just, like, super jaded after ten years in the industry, but, um... It's kind of hard to look back and be like, oh, wow, that was, like, intense. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm like, I've kind of done just about everything and nothing really phases me anymore. Um, I'm trying to think of a particular experience that was...
1: um, Or even something where, like, the first time you did it, you were like, wow, you know, I can't believe I just did that.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, I remember the the very first time that I fisted somebody, that was, that, that seemed like an intense experience, but that was, like, so long, I mean, I was probably, like, maybe 22 at the time, and at that time, like, I was just like, oh, wow, like, that was, you know, like, I had just crossed some, some sort of boundary, I had just, like, really Stepped it up. That's what it felt like at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I do fisting videos like every every other month now. <laughs> it's like no no big deal now.
1: Speaking of fisting and uh, and things in relation to that, and the world of kink and uh, you know BDSM and the world of fetishes. You've done a lot of uh, fetish work on the web. Uh, I mean, you've done, you know, some stuff with kink. You do you do some stuff with uh, a lot of the, um, what would be, I guess, under the umbrella of the Falcon Studios group, you know, like the fetish force and then like that kind of thing. Yes. Are you having fun getting the chance to play with fetishes on camera?
2: Yeah, I mean, there was... Um... There was a a point in my career that I kind of realized, like, okay, I'm not going to be, you know, like the Falcon Studios' All-American Boy. Um, So I had to really take a hard look at, you know, what my niche was, what, what my audience was, how that fit in to the way that I viewed myself. How did that fit into how I want to market myself, like, how does that fit into what I actually want to do, you know? Um, And so it was a combination of those um, in terms of developing my porn identity. And and so part of that was, um, I I, I, I do love kinky sex, I do love um, sex that's kind of different or pushes the boundary or pushes the norm. Um, and I, and I have fun with it. And aside from that, I, um, that, that is the, the market that I, that I attract. That's the type of guys that's into me, you know, like I've, I definitely kind of acquired a bit of this like niche role in the industry where, where a lot of the work that I do is fetish, not all of the work that I do is fetish, but quite a bit of, of, a lot of it has been, fetish work so it's definitely been fun to explore and connect and kind of develop that part of myself um throughout the years um and it's been a fun ride very cool
1: awesome man so let's get into the big question of the interview. Emphasis on big, I guess. It's the question that I'm sure a lot of the listeners and your fans and supporters out there are probably dying to know. Exactly how much is Alessandro del Toro packing? <laughs> um,
2: I'm about seven and a half
1: inches. Let's talk about the cum shot, because this is something that we discussed earlier in the interview. Do you do anything in particular to maintain a consistent pop for the camera? Are you the type of person that abstains from doing stuff before a scene? Are you the type of person that eats certain things to make sure that the pop is good? What goes into your preparation for the pop shot?
2: I definitely try to um, abstain. At least for two to three days, um, because I do think that 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 last final shot—you know what I mean—like it, it's just like the 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 embodiment, like the, the just like the whole culmination to the scene is this pent-up sexual energy. And I feel like if I can have um, energy pent up from two to three days ago, and and that just really translates through the camera. Um, so it's important for me to have a good cum shot. Um, it's important for me, for my calm shot, to not be anticlimactic, you know? Like, I want it to be a good com shot. And, and part of what I do for that is to just really abstain from sex, like, to really just just have that energy just built up me.
1: I want to switch up the tone of the interview, and I want to focus on some of the serious issues in the industry. And since we opened up the interview talking about your past and family and whatnot, I want to ask: uh, Does your family know about your career in the gay adult industry, and if so, how do they feel about it?
2: Um. Well, I come from a really, really small town. Um. I remember my sophomore year in college, um, some my sons from high school had started to call me and told me, hey, so there's like this, um, there's this email circling around, like everybody's finding out about what, what you've done and like, you know, like it, everybody is talking about it and, and it was just like the town gossip and i was so mortified and so afraid of what it was going to come down to like what what my parents were going to say how that was going to play out in our family dynamics how that was going to play out on like their view of me being gay um because i just i I mean i i had a rough time with it i i i love my parents and i i want my parents to accept me and i want my parents To love me, just probably like any other human being. Um, But it's been a a difficult road to that. So um, I do have to admit to myself that part of my reason for wanting to do porn was to piss them off. to, To sort of evoke some sort of reaction from them. And I didn't evoke any reaction from them. Um, They completely avoided it. They didn't want to talk about it. They didn't bring it up. And I think for years, I was really uncomfortable sort of talking about it. And I was like, I just don't want it to be an issue. I don't want it to be an issue um, with my sexuality. Because I I think those two things are separate. I mean, you can definitely be gay and not be in porn, and you can be in porn and not be gay. So um, they're two separate issues. And, And for me... Like, I'm like, I, I don't, my parents don't need to um, accept the fact that I'm in porn. Like, that's not, I'm not going to put on a fight about this. I'm not going to go to war um, over this one issue the way that I did about, you know, being gay. And I can only fight one issue at a time. So I choose to fight the gay issue and, you know, sort of get that resolved. And I was afraid that the two were going to, Somehow get intermixed. That they were gonna get confused, or that their parents were gonna, you know, think that you know that's all gay guys did, which do porn and be crazy and do irresponsible things. And um, I was also really young at the time. I was like really trying to figure out what this meant to me. Like, am like, like, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Is this something I should be ashamed of? Is this? Something that's going to prevent me from being, having a job is this going to... Like, there was just so many things going through my head that for the longest time I just didn't talk about it. And so now we're talking about it, and my parents are in a way different place with my sexuality, and and they've accepted me fully. Me. So they accept me for being gay, and they accept me for, you know, even the whole punk thing. Like, they're, they're okay with it. Um... It's not a super comfortable topic for me to have with my parents because my parents are very conservative. And I think in some ways, um, even though I don't like to view myself that way, like I'm probably conservative on on some level just because that's where I come from. And that must be a part of me somewhere. (laughs) Um, So there is some, I mean, I I, I must admit there is some discomfort there in talking to my parents about it. you know, probably some internalized shame that I need to look at. Um, But overall, it's not a huge conversation that I feel like I need to have with them. Um, For the longest time, I really needed to talk to them about being gay. Like, I really just wanted them to slap them in the face with it and just be like, we need to talk about this. But um, porn has never really been a pressing issue like that for me. Um, I think that I, I... you know, I'm, not, I'm a whole person. I like looking at myself as a whole person, and this is a part of me, and I'm not ashamed of this, in the least bit. Um, but I think there's also things that are appropriate to share with your parents, and some things that are not appropriate. So I think it's okay that they know about what I do, and, and I think that it's great that they support me and they accept me, but I definitely do not want to be having conversations about my porn scenes with my parents. Let's
1: talk about bareback porn. You recently started doing bareback porn, so uh, my question for you is kind of twofold. In general, what's your opinion on the popularity of bareback porn in the gay adult industry, and what led to your decision to do bareback porn?
2: So, it, as I'm sure you probably already know, like, this is such a controversial topic. It's such a, a, a divisive issue um, because I think that most people on either side of the fence about this are so staunch in their opinions and so not really able to look at the other side of it. And I think that one of one of the things that I that I, I want to make clear is that I I definitely see both sides to it. I definitely I think that, it's, that it's, a, it, it's it's not an issue that we can take lightly. And when it comes to bareback porn and the popularity of bareback porn, I think that from a business perspective, um, the matter of, like, do people like to watch bareback sex or do they like to watch condom sex? I think there's enough evidence for us to realize that people want to see bareback sex. Um... You know, you have big studios like Lucas or um, Sean Cody, Brandy Blue just went bareback. There's so many issues, so many um, big companies that, um, you know, probably in the past were very strong advocates for condom sex. And now they're kind of turning a new leaf. And my opinion on that is that they're probably turning a new leaf because they want to survive as a business. The porn industry, just like any other industry, is a business. So, if you want to make it work, then you have to give the people what they want. And I think of essentially what people want to watch is condomless sex. Um, the flip side of that is that um, as gay men, as gay studios, as providers of gay images and, and, and the gay embodiment of sex, we do have a responsibility to each other to um, promote safe sex, and so that's the whole reason why we have condoms in k porn. Because I always point out there's no condoms in straight porn. You know, all straight porn is condomless. You know, um, so I don't. <laughs> The concept of bareback or not bareback—that's that's a totally new gay issue. Correct.
1: And just to sort of answer what you just said, it is a little mm-hmm. different on the straight side, though, because the straight side is much more tested than the gay side. So for the straight performers, they're tested every two weeks, and that's—they have yeah. a really strong sort of testing backbone which is one of the reasons i guess a lot of people are uh, i don't want to use the word okay or i don't even want to use the word comfortable but um i guess i I can't find the right word but i guess they have like that testing backbone that the gay side doesn't and so you know that's why i guess the, the the um bareback or the condomless porn on the straight side is a little bit more accepted because, you know, they have the testing to kind of back it up.
2: And, and probably one of the main reasons why um, we don't have testing or, or why testing is not as big of a, 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 a common practice within the gay porn industry is because if we tested everybody, then probably at least half of our performers would not be able to perform. And so there's there's a different issue, you know, like, by, we, as gay men, like, there are more gay men that have HIV. There are definitely a lot more gay men in gay porn that have HIV.
1: Correct, um, and it kind of gets into that murky water of, well, if we have positive performers, then, you know, should we just put them to work with each other and then you sort of you sort of corral the positive ones on this side they can only work with each other you put the ones that are negative on the other side they can only work with each other and then they get into that you know, difficult nature of like patient disclosure, and then all of a sudden, okay, well, if this person has publicly stated that they are this and they're working with this person, then all of a sudden people start assuming, okay, well, then this person must be this, and you get into that murky water of uh, you know patient confidentiality and you know putting people's
2: business out there. It is definitely, definitely a complex issue. It is not an issue that you can arrive at lightly or or just sort of, you know, not to discuss, basically. And so it's very important to me to be able to have these conversations. And perhaps, like, even, like, for example, like, in giving an interview like this, for example, Um, it's not that if I give my opinion or offer a solution, then that would be the be-all, end-all. But what I do think that needs to start changing is the fact that we need to actually have these conversations. Because for the longest time, um, HIV is not just HIV, you know, it's not just a, a health issue. There's such a huge stigma attached to it. And it really stifles the conversations that we can have with each other. And so, from my point of view, if we can't have those conversations, that doesn't just affect the, the, the HIV positive guy. That stigma is not just something that the HIV positive guy is carrying. Because, you know, if you're not having that conversation and you're exposing yourself, uh, through unprotected sex, then eventually that that HIV-negative guy that was negative yesterday is going to be positive today or tomorrow. And so our HIV infection rates are still alarmingly high. We all know how we get it. We all know what happens. We all know what we do to get it. We all know how to prevent it. And there is a very strong aversion to having this type of conversation and for example like even within the porn community that it's still a huge stigma to be able to um it's the ultimate us versus them that all the big studios like uh, like the falcon studios group for example um Lulu, there's still so many studios that are strictly like titan will not work with you if you've done condomless porn. Um, And I understand that. I understand that point of view. And I understand wanting to represent your company in that way, in in the safest way possible, the way that they think. But I also think that our culture is evolving. Our our views on HIV are evolving. Our views on uh, C-sex are evolving. Our views on... You know, like you mentioned, like HIPAA and HIPAA violations, you know, like that's, that's a new thing, like that. So as, as, as our culture evolves, we need to be able to evolve with it. We're at a time where we're like, for the longest time, um, uh, bareback sex or condomless uh, sex porn was such a small niche in the industry and it's now taken over. It's like now more than half of the studios are going bareback, and I and I very much believe that that's where the industry is headed. So from a business perspective, um, you know that's probably where things are going. And and do we still have a responsibility as gay men to promote safe sex? I think we definitely do. I think that we definitely have to promote safe sex, but we also need to look at the fact that safe sex
1: looks different now. Very interesting points. And uh, you mentioned a couple of things that uh, sort of lead me into my next question. You've been in the game for almost a decade. And uh, something that I think you would agree on, and basically I'm sort of gathering that you would agree on by what you just said, is that the industry's... uh, and even the viewers' reaction to bareback porn has certainly evolved in the time that you've been in the industry. I would say, even up to five years ago, a lot of uh, the major studios were not having it with uh, performers that did condomless scenes. They would not get any work. Like Rue, you know, was very publicly uh, speaking about like not hiring bareback performers and uh, a lot of the studios you know just in general were not were sort of like shunning bareback performers and even fellow performers would shun them as well but bareback as you mentioned you know started off as this like niche that has grown and grown and grown and it is right now like the most successful Genre in the gay adult industry, and it's one of the reasons why several of the major studios have started shifting to bareback scenes. Much like you mentioned, Lucas Entertainment right now is purely bareback, and that's a big deal because that's you know one of the the biggest companies on the gay side of the industry. And I mean, it even got to the point to where a lot of the studios that and and directors that said you know they would not hire performers that did bareback scenes to do condom scenes they had to relent and they started hiring bareback performers to do condom scenes as well so when you decided to do uh, bareback which is a fairly recent decision on your part what went into your mind as far as like actually deciding to do it were you at all worried about your fans' reaction? Were you all worried about your fellow uh, sort of industry mates? You know, the other studios that are out there's reaction to your decision to do condomless scenes, or because the industry has evolved? Was that like no longer a factor in your mind in deciding? You know what? I'm just going to go full bore and uh, start doing condomless scenes.
2: Um you know, it, it 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 was definitely a tough decision to make. And I think that I contemplated on it for about a year. And I was just I, I was at a point where I'm like, I, I did there was a part of me that thought about the fans, and there was a part of me that thought like it it just it generally seems like, you know, obviously, I haven't spoken to every single fan. But the general consensus seems to be that that is what the audience wants to watch. That is what audiences are into. Um, that is what the majority of people are wanting to look at. So that, 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 that was one factor. There's another factor that I felt like there was certain, you know, maybe there was going to be students that didn't want to work with me anymore. Maybe there was going to be directors that didn't want to hire me. Um, I know for a fact that I won't be able to work with Titan anymore, at least not anytime in the near future. And so, um, is, you know, like, is is that going to change in the future? Am I just not, like, am I I willing to sever that relationship and not not be able to work, um, for Titan? I mean, that's, like, do I want to work with Titan? Like, you know, like, there was just so many more issues to consider. Um... There was a part of me that thought, like, that, that the general consensus within the adult industry is that going bareback is kind of like your last resort. It's kind of like you, you have one foot out the door and you're just trying to get back in desperately. And, um, and I, I'm speaking of this from, from someone that's done only condom scenes uh, for about oh, almost 10 years. So maybe someone that's only done bareback things has a different perspective, but like from my perspective, um, and from, from from what I had heard, it was just it was just not how I wanted to represent myself. And so I was really shying myself away from that, and really trying to to make that distinction that you know at least I wasn't doing bareback sex. And I really started to analyze the shame that was going into. Um, my decisions and, and how that was playing out and at the same time I started to think about my personal behavior and I started to think about the way that I'm representing myself on camera and the way that I'm representing myself in my personal life and how those two are different and how very different they are and ultimately like I mean you you discussed quite a few issues about you know the the the, the, the complications of being able to, to run a successful bareback studio and, and to be able to represent it in, in a way that's safe as well. I mean, that is still important to me to be able to convey a, a, a general sense of, of safety and advocacy. And so there is a part of me that thought, you know, am I really in, am I ready to send out that message? Like, am I going to be, um, a true lot whore. Like, is that is that my new thing? Is that like what I'm gonna step into? And w- the conclusion that I came to was that I no longer felt aligned with this ideology that felt like only condom porn was the way to go. And I felt that if I wanted to continue in this industry, that I needed to sort of broaden my business opportunities. From, from the thought of having a, 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 of, of being a businessman, and being a businessman in this industry, I needed to expand my options. From another perspective, I did still want to convey um, a general feeling of, of you know, we, we, we need to promote safe sex. And, and in, in one way that I can do that is, like, for example, like this interview. Um or I've given other interviews around the topic, and I'm going to continue to, to talk about it as much as I can. Every opportunity that I get, I'm going to talk about it because it's not an easy issue, and the, the best solution for me may not be the best solution for you, and so I need to be able to convey that to my viewers, I need to be able to convey that to my fans, that I've, I've I'm, I'm making it very clear why I made this decision and making it very clear that sexual health is still important to me and I'm making it very clear what my my way of protecting myself is and my way of engaging in safe sex is without a condom. And, and I still think that safe sex and that is my personal view and I'm not preaching it to anybody else and I'm not um, trying to convince anybody. I'm not advocating for prep necessarily. I'm advocating for us to sort of look at that shame and and try to find a way around it.
1: I'm enjoying your answers, Alessandro. You're bringing it with the answers tonight.
2: (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. It's a a subject that I'm very passionate about and and, you know, most people always think like you're you're a porn star, you're dumb or you're stupid, you're irresponsible or you're a whore, or your whatever it is that they think, but I think that um, you know some of us may realize it, some of us may not, but we have, we hold a lot of power as as, as a, a person that has this type of platform. Somebody, I mean, I, I had to take off my clothes first, but now all of a sudden people want to hear what I have to say. But I'm like, fuck it, I will say whatever I need to say make it, if that's what it takes. You know what I mean? Because It's not just about being pretty and being on camera and you watching me fuck. It really has so much to do with conveying a message. And the implicit message that we had to send out is that we needed to have safe sex. And that's why condoms started being used in porn. Um, And so now the the, the tables are shifting and and now uh, perhaps the the message is, is murky and muddy right now. Perhaps the message is, I mean, I know that a lot of studios um, offer a disclaimer at the beginning of the video, but I mean, who who's reading those disclaimers? You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming not a whole lot of people are reading those disclaimers. And so there, there needs to be alternative ways in which we can convey these messages. And for me, the message is you, you still need to protect yourself and whether or not, um, the 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 porn industry and hopefully it does. Hopefully the porn industry um, can get on the same page and, and a more unison page about sexual health uh, for the for the guys that are positive, for the guys that are negative, for the studios that are condom and for the studios that are bareback. The message can essentially still be the same, and if we just band together and and hopefully. Um, you know get our shit together instead of fighting with each other then we can still convey the same message and have our different ways of executing that message because for me if 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 condom between if sex between two guys with a condom is, is safe sex Condom with sex with two guys on prep is still safe sex and and there will be arguments and 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 variations on you know how people view that but essentially um we're all different we all think differently we act differently um but if the message is the same and if the goal is the same that's ultimately what I think is important the ultimate goal is 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 to mitigate the the, the, the ramifications that HIV has had on our community and and unfortunately the ramifications are not just as it, as it pertains to health. A lot of it is is, is is mental health. A lot of it is the way that we relate to each other, the way that we can make friends or, or have a romantic partner. Um, we, we really need to be able to start having these discussions because HIV or not, like, you know, like we, we're, we're all on the same boat. We're all in the same boat and we all want the same things. And ultimately, I think that we all want Um, our personal well-being and and the well-being of our fellow gay men. So um, I think it's really crucial that we, we, we start to look at the common goal and stop looking at how differently we want to execute it.
1: Are there any misconceptions or myths about porn performers that you would like to
2: dispel? Um you know what I think that i the the biggest one that I faced um is that we that we're dumb that we're we're not good for anything else other than sex that we're sort of just these fuck machines and, and that's all we're good for, and it really um It's just interesting to me to be put in that category. I mean, I've never really had an issue with people thinking that I'm stupid. And people that only know me as Alejandro um, are so surprised when they hear me speak. They're so surprised when they um, when they actually hear what I have to say. and it, and it's, On some level, it, it, it does take me aback a little bit. Um, but when it comes to like dating or like people like really thinking that I'm probably I don't know I guess worth less because I've done porn or, or or I'm tainted or whatever it is that they think I am, um, it, it it presents an obstacle. But I mean, I think that I. I've met so many people in this industry that are so much more than just somebody that fucks on camera. And you can fuck on camera and do whatever it is that you do, and you can also be a very highly spiritual person. You can also be a smart person. You can also be a talented person in a a different way. Um, So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I deal with. At least it bothers me. That's that's one of the biggest myths that I'm like, it just, it really bothers me that people think that of me.
1: Moving away from the serious questions, but uh, changing up the tone and chatting a bit about romance, do you find it difficult to be in a romantic relationship while working in the gay adult industry?
2: Um. I find it difficult to be in a romantic relationship. Period. Um, it's funny because I'm a I'm a marriage and family therapist, and I cannot seem to get my shit together with my own marriage and family. But um, it it it's challenging, you know, being in a romantic relationship, no matter what, is going to be challenging. Um. It's hard because when there's two people that have such strong emotions about each other, um, it just kind of just drives you nuts. So no matter what, I think that being in a romantic relationship is difficult. Aside from that, being in a romantic relationship when you have these blurred sexual boundaries um, and you know, hectic work schedules, and um, it it adds a different element to it. So, I try to make it very clear from, you know, probably date number two or three, what they're getting themselves into, and if they still want to go ahead with it, then we can go ahead with it, and then if they start to give me problems after they told me they were not going to give me problems, then... I mean, it's just we're gonna have an issue. Um, but it's not it's not easy and it's um, definitely a challenge that it's a challenge for them and then it's a challenge for us. And one thing that I've learned is that if 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 you put yourself in their shoes, it it must not be the easiest thing to deal with. So I always try to try to remember that, and I try to take it into consideration, um, and I try to look at it from their perspective. Um, but regardless, it doesn't take away from the fact that it, it's, it's difficult on both parties.
1: Let's go back in time. How and when did you lose your virginity?
2: I lost my virginity. I was about to be thirteen, and. It was, uh, it was a boy that I went to church with. He was 17 years old. And um, I just spent the night at his house. And we kind of always had this sexual tension going on between us. And I kind of just went for it and he went for it. And it was super hard. I actually still masturbate about that.
1: In your opinion, what part of your body is the sexiest and why?
2: Um, I'd say my lips. I just, I, I think I have like very sensual kind of Latin. It just really embodies me sexually, I, I'd say.
1: On the flip side, in your opinion, what part of your body do you like the least, and why?
2: Um, that's a tough one. I think my stomach. Um, it's just, I mean, I'm such a perfectionist. I could My list of things I don't like about my body is probably a lot longer than my list of things I do like about my body. But, um yeah i just i don't know what every time i look at my stomach or like my midsection I'm like i just i always feel like it can be better like in, in better shape and better just better all around i just don't like it
1: in the productions that you've been in you've thus far been strictly a top is that your sexual role in your personal life and uh, just as an added bonus for those out there that are tuning in that might be curious to know, will they ever see Alessandro del Toro bottoming or doing a flip-flop scene in the future?
2: Um, well, my my sexual preference is being the top. And in terms of bottoming on camera, um. I've kind of toyed around with the idea back and forth over the years, but it just, it, it doesn't seem like, it just doesn't seem like, seem like me. Um, so, it, I just, I wouldn't feel like, like I, um, how can I answer this? <laughs> I guess like, I it just I, wouldn't be you. It just wouldn't be me, and if I do do it, it would be at a point in time when I just, when I would just decide that it was me. So I can't give you a time frame. I can't give you a yes or no. I can't. Um, that's all I can say for now. It's just, it's just not me. Mm-hmm. It's not me right now.
1: Have you done it at all in your personal life?
2: Um, I've done it very sporadically throughout the years, like, with boyfriends and stuff like that. Um, it is, for me personally, it, it, it's it's a lot more of, like, connecting with someone, like, letting somebody into my body. That's way different than me being inside somebody else's body, if that makes any sense.
1: Since we've seen you do fetish play... Uh... On screen, in your personal life, do you get into any kinds of fetishes?
2: Um, In my personal life, I try to be, or not try to be, but I'm just attracted to a little bit more vanilla type stuff. Um, you know, obviously I do get into the occasional like 15, um, pass play, all that sort of stuff that I do on camera. But it's just, it's not a huge part of my personal life. In my personal life, I kind of just like to um, not have it be as much of a production. You know, like, the, the, the less, the better.
1: Tell me something quirky about yourself that most people don't know. Something unique about Alessandro.
2: Um, something quirky. I'm pigeon-toed. Well, there you go. <laughs> Is that quirky enough?
1: <laughs> I think so. Describe yourself in 10 words
2: or less. Okay. Um, I'm ambitious, adventurous, um, driven, smart, um, dedicated, loyal. I'm at a loss for words right now, but I, I think that pretty much sums me up.
1: As we start wrapping things up, I have this list of pop culture oriented questions that are designed to allow the listeners and your fans tuning in right now to get to know some of your favorites. The first question in this set is what are five of your most favorite television shows?
2: Um Damon Stones, True Blood, Um Modern Family, um What else do I like? Uh Coffin, I believe we got them right now, and Empire.
1: Who are four of your all time favorite music artists?
2: Music artists are uh, Shakira, um, Beyonce, um, I like Tim McGraw and, um, Carrie Underwood.
1: What are three of your most favorite films? Um,
2: The Lion King, um, Bean Girl, and um, True
1: Life. What are two foods you can't live without? Uh, Number one is definitely fries.
2: (laughs) And number two, probably
1: cheesecake. So fries and cheesecake.
2: (laughs) I know. Diet of champions.
1: Exactly. And what is one of your guilty pleasures? Um...
2: it probably be um, eating Mexican candy. Like, a lot at a time. Okay.
1: Shout out to Mexican candies.
2: Shout out to Mexican candies.
1: What's next for Alessandro del Toro? What can the listeners and your fans expect from you in the near future?
2: Um, this year, I definitely want to start working on being more visit, visible on the advocacy front. Um, you know, a lot of the questions that we discussed and touched on had to do with shame and, you know, uh, sexuality and masculinity and and how we relate to each other as gay men. And, like, I really want to start bringing those topics out to the forefront. One of the things that I'm working on right now is, is launching my own blog. And the blog will touch on those things and sort of um, trying to expose a lot of these issues not from a place of like I know better or or I'm preaching to anybody but kind of like trying to figure it out with each other as we go along. Um, I'm also um, joining up with, with Jacked um, to the, the mobile app to go around college campuses and start having these type of Discussions and, and not just to promote Jack's, but also to like just sort of bring up um, these issues and raise awareness around these issues. Um, and so, and you'll probably be seeing me in a lot more, um, both bareback and non bareback scenes. Um, I'm not going one way or the other, but um, I'm, I have quite a few scenes coming out
1: soon. Fantastic, man. How can the listeners and your fans that are tuning in right now reach you? Where can they find you on the web, social networking, all of the goodies?
2: So, on the web, you can find me on Facebook. Um, My name on Facebook is Um, Twitter. my My Twitter handle is at A-L-E-S-S-A-N-D-R-O, capital space D, capital space T-O-R-O, on Instagram at ADTXXX, and um, stay tuned for my blog. Um, Either either one of those three will be announcing my, my blog release pretty soon.
1: Very cool. Well, this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything that you would like to say to your fans and supporters?
2: Um, I'd just like to invite you guys to stay tuned. Um, I'm very excited about my new project and my new uh, journey with advocacy and, and being able to just bring up these issues and being able to use this platform to, to talk about issues on on sexuality so um just want to invite you guys to stay tuned and 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 i'll be looking forward to hearing from you guys
1: sounds great well i certainly want to thank you so much for the interview alessandro
2: thank you thank you so much for having me on and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to sort of speak my mind
1: you're welcome and certainly the door's open for more so whenever you want to come back uh You know, you're more than welcome to so that you can fill the listeners in and your fans in on what you've been up to. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. And listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning into One-on-One with Papi Chulo. You can tune in for brand new episodes of One-on-One with Papi Chulo every Wednesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. You can download this episode and many more by visiting papichuloradio.com forward slash archives. Registered users will gain access to the Papi Chulo radio archives of previously aired broadcasts. And with that, Alessandro del Toro and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners.
2: Good night. Let's go.
0: Thanks for listening to one on one with Poppy Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at com, or leave us a voicemail at 305-515-8620. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychulo radio and like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychulo radio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week.